One. You, you didn't yell it? I don't want to yell it. Okay. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Film Studies Club podcast. I'm your host, Robert Berg. I'm joined by my co-host, Paulo Chabra. And there's the fact checker, Nick Guy. But more importantly, we have such a special guest today. <laughs> Arguably the most special guest we've ever had. Like, this is a very, very special guest. Yes. And his name is Matt Farley. Thank you. This is a huge <laughs> honor. Thank you. <laughs> yes, yes, no problem. Thank you for calling it an honor. Um, so, Matt, I, I want to know right now, how many songs have you made today? Forty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> is this like a slow day for you, or is this a good day? Oh, that, that was definitely a good day. I try to do 50 a week. Um, That's awesome. Uh, and um, I only have I only have three days a week when I when I can devote entirely to music so i i just tried to really churn it out today gotcha what's uh can you give us a hint about what the new album is about it's about um name poop songs (laughs) have you heard any of these where i sing a person's name followed by the word poop over and over again (laughs) (laughs) yes actually um i played the robert poop one last time i had friends over and we all laughed to it it was it's uh it's big on tiktok it's great oh yeah yeah yeah. Uh, um so uh nick's girlfriend um actually uh we were talking about you and then she was like oh is that the poop song guy because apparently you've gotten like pretty big on tiktok recently for the the poop songs yeah yeah it's uh and and so i've I've done two thousand names but people keep sending me their names like more and more unusual names i've got about a thousand uh, on my list. So oh wow! It's gonna keep me busy uh, for the rest of the year. Do you have a Pahool poop song yet? No, but uh, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, how do you spell it? P A H U L. Okay. You don't have so, to. You really don't want to. Like it's. <laughs> uh, I no, definitely, but it'll. It, it could be several several months um, before I get to it. But I will definitely get to it. Yeah. Well, I feel like Pahool is a really good name for a poop song, too, because you could do, like, Pahoop, you know? Or something silly like that. It's brilliant. <laughs> now, you're, now you're thinking like a songwriter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Matt, you've done over 22,000 songs, correct? That's right. Wow. And uh, can I ask, what got you into screenwriting, like, or songwriting? Sorry, what was, like, the first song that you ever made, and, like, why did you make it? Um... I, I I was just a huge fan of uh, of movies and music um, since I was a kid, and um, and then it just you know it seemed natural to st- to want to start uh, writing my own stuff. Uh, I recall um, like in fourth grade I wrote a song called Frank's Place and it was about a restaurant that serves eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> and that was your first one. We don't sell burgers and fries. <laughs> Our only specialty is selling people's eyes. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. That's pretty good. And uh, what was like the first song that you like recorded and put on Spotify? Uh, it, it was with my band, Moe's Haven. Me and my friend Tom Scalzo um, met in college, and we just started writing together. And we loved it so much that we just... Um, we didn't stop for like 10 years. But uh, the, yeah, the first album we released was called Out With The Old. And um, it didn't do very well. But over the course of a few years, I realized the only songs that are earning any money are the weird ones. And so uh, 
then I really put the pedal to the metal and started churning out um, crazy songs. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find your own, like, silly music, like, at all funny anymore? Like, yourself? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, I, 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 um, it makes me laugh. And sometimes it's the cumulative effect, you know, like, when you've listened to like six, seven in a row, <laughs> then you just start. Yeah. You 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 kind of lose your mind and, and get a little. Uh, <laughs> get... That's hilarious. <laughs> is it like is it recording all these poop songs? Do you feel like, do you feel like it like takes the soul out of you, or does it give you soul to to make so many of them? Yeah. No, it's definitely taking soul. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I have sure. less soul. I have less soul right now than I had uh, this morning when I started recording. <laughs> oh but my um, I, I look at I just look at it as like my day job. You know, like writing songs about poop. That's my job, and and it's a lot better than going to a real job. Um, and then, and then that my you know my hobby is writing these heartfelt uh, masterpieces that that nobody listens to. Um, yeah, but one of you got um, the record, though, right? Wait, hold on. Yeah, yeah. actually, let me get it. Hold on. He, he's going to go grab it. I did want to ask uh, super quick, if you don't mind me asking, before you worked purely on music um, all the time, what other jobs did you work? Uh, after college, uh, for 17 years, I worked at a group home for teens. It was it was this house with, uh, with 20 kids who... Um, who had to be taken out of their homes for any number of reasons. And, um, yeah. And so I worked there 17 years before I was finally able to, to, uh, quit and, uh, work my day job. And it was a great job to have. It was just a lot of fun. They had a basketball court there. I would play basketball a lot. I would play my songs for the kids and they would make fun of me. It was great. <laughs> did, did they all really enjoy like your songs being on Spotify and, uh, playing them? Yeah, well, it's one of those things, you know, they would begrudgingly give me a little bit of respect, and um, other times they'd be like, you write poop songs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we but used to work when for I, Camp Hope, so, you know, <laughs> anyway, sorry. When, when I was on The Tonight Show, though, they, they respected me. I, I worked, like, two days later, and I was, like, a hero, you know? So. <laughs> yeah. Wait, you were on The Tonight Show? Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, what? August 30th of 2016, um, I, I performed on The Tonight Show. It was great. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's incredible. How, uh, how did you book that gig? They just called me one day and said, hey, we'd like you to perform your song about Pizza Hut. And no joke, I, I couldn't remember that I had written a song about Pizza Hut. I had to, like, <laughs> I had to look up my own song. Uh, so... <laughs> So it wasn't your ex-manager that got you that gig? No, that... no, it was, it was, it was a, it was kind of a refreshing situation that um, you can't like. I have a cynical view of um, of show business that like the only people who get on these shows are the ones who like work for big, uh, you know, big movie companies and record companies, blah blah blah. But. This was just Jimmy Fallon found my song on Spotify. He thought it was funny, and he, he said to his producers, "Let's have this guy come perform the song." And then they called me, and a week later, it happened. Oh my it was god! Pretty amazing. Yeah, that's incredible. Is there any other like? Is that like your biggest claim to fame with like your music and everything, or uh, anything else notable? Yeah, that 
Yeah, that was the biggest. Uh, I, I think that was the biggest thing. Uh, I mean, there's been a good number of uh, articles about me. Ah, that record. That's that's a great. That's investment. a big, big, big claim to fame. <laughs> yeah, your your ex manager bullied me for it. I'm sure you know. Oh, Wait, Brendan, what? Brendan Walsh. <laughs> He's not really my ex manager. We just pretend on Twitter. But, uh, I, I know, I know. I'm just playing along. Yeah. He likes <laughs> to you... uh, likes to cause trouble. Yeah, do you, do you do you think you'll need a, a, a new graphic designer? <laughs> uh, why do you work in graphic design? Um, I mean, I've done professional graphic design work. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I I put I put that together, but yeah, Brendan actually designed oh, yeah. uh, my my most recent um, name poop album cover too. Um, <laughs> yeah, is it just like, like adding like like random words just onto like a picture? <laughs> It's a very simple process. <laughs> and, and that's not like if you look through that discography, the album titles are like name poop songs, name poop song songs, name name poop songs, name name poop song songs. It's just it's completely insane. I love it. Uh, that's wonderful. Um, and I also know that you are involved in the film world as well. What kind of got you uh, making movies and like what was your first movie and everything? Yeah, it was in high school. Um, you know, my family had a uh, a camcorder, a VHS camcorder, and um, and I it was just so much fun to make movies with my friends. You know, you usually outgrow that, but like through college, I was doing it, and then after college, I have a friend named Charlie, and and he loved doing it too, and we were like, let's just keep making movies. So uh, every uh, every couple years we make it happen and what you guys watched river beast right yeah we did yeah, yeah. so as you can see i mean it's it's a it's a big you know a big cast and it's just it's so much work like uh you know like we have that wedding scene where everyone dances and it's like mm -hmm. we had to recruit all these people to come to my parents backyard and and to stay long enough to to get all the shots you know it was hot out people kept going inside to cool off and we'd be like get back out here we need you for these shots you know um but it, it's it's it it unless you've made a feature length movie like you you can't comprehend just like how how awful it is like it's it's wonderful and awful don't get me wrong but like go we going out into the woods and like getting dirt all over the equipment and trying to putting on this monster suit for the monster suit like i would wear it a lot but then we'd have to have a shot I where it. i'm fucking monster so then Tom would put it on and like I had been sweating inside the suit for the previous hour so he's got to put this like clammy wet disgusting suit on and um uh. it was it was awful but but it it's also just like so much fun like uh we we we, we just exhaust ourselves um but it, it's cool you know we made that in 2012 and you guys watched it today that's pretty awesome yeah. um so actually the reason that I actually find kind of what you said relatable and inspirational is because I am making my first feature right now, and these two are actually working on it. And yeah, no, seeing this movie was like, wow, Matt, like, I'm genuinely impressed by how many different locations and actors and just, like, quick shots that would take a lot of time you fit in there. Thank you for noticing, and yeah, absolutely, <laughs> it is, um, it, 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 well, that I mean, that's a thing for like what young people make in movies. Oftentimes, it'll just be too many indoor scenes, too many scenes just like in someone's room or something. And um, I think it, it 
it's more effort to go outside and to go to all kinds of places, but it's worth it because the, it just gives people's eyes something else to look at, you know? Um, some general advice I have is like, um, you know, public parks and the woods are good places to film versus like, don't, don't write a script that takes place in a hospital, you know, if you don't have access <laughs> to a hospital, you know? So like be, before you even write a scene, think to yourself, like, w will I be able to film this? You know? Um, because then you just end up heartbroken. You know, you write a whole script and then you're like, I, I can't film any of this. And then you're, you're sad. So, you know, before we write any scene, it's like, all right, can we actually make this happen? And then with, with actors, it's like, um, try not to give any one actor too much responsibility, you know, because people working for free, they, you know, they're happy to help for a while, but then they stop returning your phone calls, you know? So... Like, if you can film all of someone's scenes in one day, that's perfect because then you send them on their way. And if they get a haircut, it doesn't matter. You know, if they, they change the color of their hair or something, you don't have to uh, worry about continuity. Um, but how's it going for you guys? It's pretty good so far. With the locations things, um, a lot of scenes are shot uh, in public areas. It's like a lot of the scenes in the movies are only 30 to 30. 30 seconds to two minutes long, so there is a lot of hopping around to different locations. Um, what we shot so far is mostly a lot of neighborhood scenes, which generally went pretty well, except I did get pulled over by the cops because of one of them, <laughs> which was not the best experience. Uh, it was an in-construction house, and I thought it would be fine to shoot in front of until we were leaving, and there was a car following really closely, and then they flashed the lights, and they thought that we were breaking into it and uh, kind of had to explain that we were making a movie. It was a little bit awkward because <laughs> yeah. it, what saved me was a bunch of camera equipment bags in the back because they could see, oh, clearly they wouldn't have a bunch of lights and sound equipment just sitting around if they were breaking into yeah. a house. But, yeah, it was... Yeah, show, them clip, show them some clips, too. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it was, it was Here, awkward. show you. Yeah, well, I mean, that's something I think about a lot, too. It's like, we don't want to get shut down by authorities midway through filming a scene, because then we'll have to start the scene from scratch in a different location. So I'm um, always thinking, like, where's, like, a low-profile place that we can film and, and we know no one's going to bother us? Um, but it, it's just so, it's so much work. Right, now, uh, how long do you imagine it's going to be, the movie? Uh... Uh, the script was 122 pages, so probably about two hours. Um, it's a, the script is a bit dialogue heavy, so I could see it scaling back a bit, but then you also have to account for credit time. Um, so I'm guessing about two hours or so. Woo. That's that's ambitious. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. Sometimes, sometimes uh, like, I'll find, like... Uh, I'll be, we'll be filming a scene and then I'll be like, oh my god, why did we write so much dialogue? Oh, this is all, you, know? <laughs> you know, but what we do, you could probably tell, like, we'll, we'll just, you know, a close up over the shoulder of a person and then we'll just literally, we'll give them the line and tell them pause for a second and just say it back to us because none of the actors ever look at the script ahead of time. <laughs> and then, like, some of them, some of them can't remember more than like four words in a row, you know. So, 
Like, that reminds me of the first scene of the movie. <laughs> when the old oh, guy was just, like, clearly reading off of a script. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Guys, <laughs> moving. But, so, so our, our, it's like part of the fun is seeing people do a bad job of acting, you know, for uh, <laughs> and um. But but the trick is for us, like, we don't tell people to do a bad job. We tell them, do the best you possibly can. And and it, it's going to end up being bad, but in a very unique and wonderful way that, that I just, I can't get enough of. That's awesome. Yeah, no, there's, see, there's like an art form to it. It's it's beautiful. Yeah, well, when, when people are purposely trying to be dumb and bad, it just, it has a bad vibe for me versus when people are genuinely doing their best you know in a good-natured way but like sometimes like if the line was like how are you this morning we would literally have to say okay just say how are you and they'd be like how are you and then we'd say okay now say this morning and they'd say this morning (laughs) you know do see them saying how are you then cut to the person who's listening to them and then back to the rest of the (laughs) sentence you know but um but it's just it's hilarious you know because we have these grandiose dreams of uh making a movie and then just like the dreams are just shattered one one after the next (laughs) you end up crawling towards the finish line and it's a miracle to finish a, a movie it really is i mean especially you know low budget movie that you're just making on your spare time I have been super fortunate to grow up where I did because in Reading, there is a big theater scene. Um, and especially at my high school, it's a big, uh, there's a big choir program. So most of the actors that I have in the movie, um, I'm paying very low amounts, but still paying and saying, if you show up to set, I'll pay you less as incentive. And thankfully, a lot of them are actually like, they have a lot of experience acting because of being in theater. Um, so I've been like super fortunate to have that experience um, on set, especially because the lead actress is quite literally in every single scene. So she's having to show up to set every single time. And wow, yeah, thankfully nice. she's very resilient and able to endure a lot. One thing I've found with theater actors is they're used to like projecting, you know, because mm-hmm. they're up on stage. Have you had to ask them to tone it down a little bit sometimes? Yeah, there have been a few actors that definitely have been playing their lines really big. And thankfully, um, when I was casting it, I was imagining... there It's like a mix of non-actors and theater actors. The bigger characters I gave to the theater actors, and the smaller characters I gave to the non-actors, for the most part. Um, but thankfully, the lead actress, despite having a background in theater, is was quickly able to acclimate to film acting. Just some of her right. gestures can sometimes come off as big, like if she's waking up in the morning, uh, facial, you know, wiping off the face can be, like, pretty big. But besides that, it's been super... Like, I'm very, very happy that I've had really good actors on set because it's made my job a lot easier despite still being extremely stressful. <laughs> Do you have a deadline to finish this? So I am going off to um, Emerson College on August 20th. So basically then i need to have it done by then and i do want to submit it to sundance more as a experience thing rather than an expectation to get in thing because it's obviously very highly selective yeah now so did we talk on the phone we talked on the phone yeah uh, 
Okay, and you know Truman. That's how I know you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Okay, it's all coming together now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, was, it was after the phone call, because we were listening to your music, and we I looked up, um, we were trying to figure out what your name was, because with all the aliases, it was a little bit difficult. So we just kept on looking like poop song guy and just like <laughs> stuff like that. And eventually we came across Matt Farley. So we looked up Matt Farley and I found the Modern Media page. And I was like, wait, why does the name Matt Farley and Modern Media sound so familiar? So then we saw your number listed there and we're like, may as well just call it. Like, <laughs> what's the worst that could happen? And then you picked up, which we were totally not at all expecting. Um, yeah, and then great as, yeah, um, and as you we were calling, I, I think I started like looking you up more on the on my phone, and I was like, oh, that's right, Truman had this huge phase where he was watching a bunch of movies that I did not know about, and I had no clue what they were, and that's what those movies are, and it's connected to this music. It was like a big connection moment in my brain, blew me away. Beautiful. Yeah, Robert was curious on how you got. Uh, uh, the River Beast on Amazon Prime. Was that like oh, a whole yeah. process? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, there's for that one we used a, a service called Film Hub, um, which you you could uh, look up, and um, they've been good because um, they get it available worldwide. You know, so it's on Amazon everywhere, and and they've even gotten it on a few other services. So that's cool. It's I think it's a slightly, relatively new um, service, uh, but we're pretty happy with it. In addition to that, you anyone can put their movies on on uh, Amazon Prime, almost in like a YouTube fashion. the The only difference is that they have slightly higher uh, standards, maybe you know, and you need to have closed captioning on the movie too. Um, and I don't know how to do that, but um, we found a service that um, it was like 80 bucks. We paid, you know, we send the file, the movie to them, and then they make the closed captioning file. And then. Gotcha. Yeah. So uh, most of our movies we put on Amazon ourselves, but River Beast, we did use Film Hub. So what did you, like, do, like, uh, specifically on River Beast? Like, what were your roles in the film? Um, co-writer, producer, and, uh, lead actor, uh, and the music, I did all the music for it, too. So, yeah. it's me and, me and my friend Charlie Roxburgh, um, we basically, he's, he's the director, I'm the producer, um, he, you know, he's, he's usually behind the camera, and I'm usually in front of the camera, um, we went to college together, and, um, and basically, yeah, just every couple of years, we, uh, we're basically always working on a project, you know. If we're not filming something, we're writing it, um, and um, and we got we're hoping to release two movies this year. Oh, oh, oh! Wow, that's wow, that's cool. Are they both features? Yes. Yeah. One one we've been we started working on two years ago, and then uh, with all the travel restrictions, we couldn't finish uh we couldn't finish it for the last year but finally we're going to be finishing it uh next month hopefully do you need any editors <laughs> uh now I'll, I'll let you know but no Char- we're, we're gonna trade off every other movie me and charlie he's he's editing one i'm editing another just uh because if if one of us edited everything then that person would never leave his house you know 
I'm just saying, I can help with, like, the laborious stuff. I'm a really good editor. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. But isn't it – I don't know about you, but sometimes editing, like – last week I edited from 5.30 in the morning till 8.30 at night, and it, it felt like I just blinked my eye. You know, like it went by so fast. Yeah. I've worked – I've edited for three days straight once um, with, like, sleeping in between, obviously, but, like, I, it was it was bad. <laughs> Yeah, and it just like man, wait, when was the last time I ate? Like, I, I, <laughs> right? Yeah, I enjoyed that. It's fun. No, just like raising audio, just a little bit higher. No, a little lower, a little higher, yeah. a little lower. You know, like oh, it's it's uh it's tedious, but um, but uh, invigorating too. Yeah, I've been studying like a lot of uh, color uh, color theory and like color correction and grading and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it, if, editing is a lot of fun for me at least. Yeah, our next two movies are black and white, so uh, we don't have to worry oh. about the color. Yeah. Ooh, fun. That's fun, yeah. I gotta say, like, the, I feel like a lot of people, I don't know, like, the first, the first movie that I made, shooting it was really stressful, and I was like, man, shooting it's so stressful because I have to coordinate a lot of people, and I have to put a lot of people in a room, and I have to get them together at the same time, and, and just, like, so many different things, and I was like, I feel like editing will be so much easier because I just have to sit in a room with my friend and we just have to like cut clips together and it'll be easy and it just ended up also being like really exhausting as well like editing goes by quickly but I also find like when I'm done after a long day of it I'm just like super exhausted well except for the yeah, first or, um, movie. yeah like your whole brain is just like soup you know like you can't even yeah. think straight just, just like uh, and, and um and then the whole time you're just like man why didn't we get this shot oh if only if only I had this shot and and um and how about yeah. when you're filming and people start like telling stories and having fun with each other and you're like hey knock it off quiet <laughs> down i want you to sit there silently until i tell you to act uh because the the day can get away from people quickly if they're just sitting around goofing off and telling stories you know what i mean mm-hmm yeah, the Robert's first uh, short film, it was like 30-something minutes long, right? Yeah, uh, it was. I, that one was, well, that wasn't my first, because the first was Punish, but okay, the right. second was 39 minutes. Yeah, we edited that, a 39-minute short film in one day. <laughs> Ooh, that's yeah. impressive. It was terrible editing. Yeah, like, looking was, back it on it, it's, it it's really bad. Like, oh my god. Yeah, it was just like one of those, like, we gotta cram things. Yeah. yeah, well, I think I think having deadlines is important, and just ha getting into the habit of finishing your project is very important. Because um, I know a lot of people who who start movie projects, and then you know six years go by, and um, and they they still haven't finished it. Like um, w w like we just we just have to finish it. You know, in the, the finished product is always going to be disappointing for us you know because like we knew what it could have been and versus what it is but uh the average viewer doesn't know what it could have been and so it's not quite as bad for them mm -hmm. i i am actually interested in so with days shooting i found myself getting like really like stressed out the day before and like super just dreading the thought of even going to set and then ending up on set and finding that it's not as bad as I was anticipating. Do you find that same kind of anxiety? And, like, if so, how do you, like, help, like, curb it? Um, no, I mean, I usually don't sleep the night before filming. <laughs> <laughs> so 
and I've been doing, you know, why do I care? I don't even know, but I'm just laying in bed, just like imagining problems and how I would solve them, you know? And like, and I'm saying to myself, the problem hasn't even happened yet. Knock it <laughs> off, go to sleep, you know? And I set like five alarms because it's, we always start super early in the morning. But I mean, it just, you just, I just run myself ragged, you know? I, my only advice is drink force yourself to drink a lot of water because I, I feel like I just get dehydrated um, every time that I'm filming. But um, but the, the, the bad news is what you're feeling, uh, at least for me, uh, has continued. If, if anything, it's gotten worse as I've gotten older. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, think, I think, like, honestly... When I end up behind the camera, it's usually fine. It's just the idea of scheduling and getting people in an area together that just can... Yeah, and will they will they show up, you know? Like, are they going to show up? Oh, God, I hope they show up. I mean, we've had so many people bail on us the, mo- the morning of filming, and um, it, it's, it's devastating, you know? Like, for a while, you know, the guy I work with, Charlie, he lives three hours away from me, so, like, one of us has... has driven three hours to make you know to film for that day or for that weekend and it's like it it just it crushes our crushes us if if things don't go according to plan but um you know we roll with it and um and part of the like knowing that there are going to be problems is something we we almost kind of factor into it and uh and just um and just be like all right whatever the finished product is we're just gonna you know we might be surprised that the something didn't go right but in in a weird way it's better than what what would have happened Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's it's an interesting process i'm definitely learning a lot and i'm happy to learn to get the experience of a first feature before going off to film school as well because i feel like i'm learning a lot here that will help with my studies on the east coast Amen. I, I well, I think you'll learn more. You know, like, uh, I mean, making a feature film that that's like going to grad school. You know, like uh, you're doing more work than than the average uh, grad school student. And and you know, the the people. I mean, it's good to go to college, but you know, the the people teaching you, they don't. You know, they've probably made less movies than than you have <laughs> by the end of the summer for you. So, um, so so uh, yeah, it's it's great. It's Doing things is always more uh, informative than, than studying things. Mm-hmm. For sure. How old were you when you uh, did the River Beast? Um, River Beast, I was 32, 30, 31. 31, 32. Too old to be making a monster movie in my, you know, <laughs> my parents' backyard and in the woods. I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, that, that well, you know, like... The movies have have never made me any money, and so you know I, I definitely feel um, from you know friends and family that they kind of roll their eyes like oh man he's making another movie you know like <laughs> what a, what a, what a deadbeat you know quit quit with your silly dreams <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> well to be fair I did yeah. pay you two dollars when I rented that movie <laughs> nice yeah. <laughs> Well, luckily the music makes me money, so um, so I can afford to uh, to do the movies. And and one of these days the movies movies will take off. My my theory is just keep making them, and then when one of them takes off, then all the others will will take off too. And um, that is very I'll true, be glad very that. True. I, 
Yeah, yeah. One, I made a couple on film too, on super sixteen millimeter film. Wow. I feel like yeah. I feel like that's like it just takes the normal process and makes it two times harder because you have to account yes. for we can't get infinite shots. We have this much film and we have to yeah. get this. Like uh, I could not imagine that would I would lose yeah. my mind. Well, it's a good thing though because. Um, um, it, it trained us. It trained us to just accept a first or second take. Um, it, and especially for the kind of movies that I make, it's like um, half the fun is the amateur acting. And so, so we don't, we don't worry too much about it. And, um, but I mean, yeah, the shooting on, on film was, um, it was $30 per minute. Um, uh, per, per minute of film is the the cost that we were dealing with and so when someone messed up a line it was just like a cash register was just spinning in my head um but it's beautiful i'm I'm happy we did it yeah uh what do you do for equipment for like audio equipment and video equipment and everything for river beast uh it was a canon dslr camera for the the video like a 5D Mark II, I think it's called. Um, and then I we had a separate um, little audio, like a Zoom audio yeah. thing. We did a lot of, um, you plug in one of those lav clip-on mics into the Zoom and then and then run it up. You can totally see it bulging out of people's shirts in a lot of, in a lot of shots. Um, and then since then, we've graduated to um, shotgun mics and... I'll show you my new camera. Give me a second. Oh. Okay. <laughs> That's exciting. That's very exciting. So this is the one that we're just just working. Oh my goodness! Start, start, start. Yeah, it's uh, That's awesome. What is this Canon XF four hundred? And Ooh. this is nice because it's got the XLR inputs right here, so um, the audio goes directly in there. We don't have to deal with the clapper anymore um which which would always just drive me i don't know if you guys use do you guys use a clapper yeah. or no yeah we're yeah. using a um i forget the type of microphone it's a, it's an audio technia or technica um sh uh shotgun mic and nice. we're linking that sound up to the camera and it is just like the it's been like nice to have something to the, where like and we've been also we've had so we've had log sheets and we've also been putting the audio clip on the clapperboard so like finding them isn't too difficult it just really is like i'm gonna have to spend like probably around 10 hours just putting audio with video and audio with video over and over and over again yeah it's so tedious very tedious um and, and i always find like we get ready to film a scene or just about ready and then it's like oh wait the clapper and then like oh where is the clapper yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It just kills. It, it makes it so much harder to concentrate on on the acting. So, I'm I'm happy to be going without any clapper uh, for for the upcoming uh, projects. Yeah, just last weekend I was shooting a scene, and I couldn't find. I so I bought him a because he's the the sound guy. I'm um, the sound guy and editor and like sound mixer guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I bought him a bag for the uh, Zoom H5, which is the recorder we're using, and he ended up just... It, it was, like, right here. Where the Zoom it? H5? Uh, it's in the car. 
Oh uh, no, this thing. Yeah, I I I, I three I designed and three D printed a case for the H five that fits under my belt, and it just like clips nice. in there. Nice, smart. Yeah. Yeah. It's the coolest thing. So I just had this like extra bag that was basically like a $40 fanny pack that the Zoom 5 didn't really fit well in. But it fit perfectly a marker, like a dry erase marker. So I would put it in there and wear it around my belt, and then I would always have a dry erase marker for the clapperboard. But last weekend, I couldn't find it. So I had to use um, a Sharpie. Or I, I got a Sharpie, and I wrote on the clapperboard. And then I'm like, okay. And so I clap it, and I say, action. And then the actresses start talking, and then you can hear me on the side say, "Oh shit!" <laughs> I can't get the sharpie off. <laughs> so I had to interrupt Perfect. the scene and take like three minutes just gritting off the sharpie. And then we had to call somebody because it was eleven at night, so everywhere was closed. So we had to call somebody and say, "Hey, can we drive over right now and pick up a dry erase marker so that I can finish this scene?" It was set like, uh, and just to think that it's like a dry erase marker. One small thing like that can just throw the set. In, yeah so, yeah that's another thing like when you're packing up the car you know packing up all the equipment into the car to go somewhere and you're just like think 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 what am i forgetting what am i forgetting yeah. you know yeah um but i i mean what are what are normal people doing that's the real question you know what are, like normal people are just like sitting around watching tv or like um or i don't even know or they're sleeping you know and meanwhile, we are running all around town, getting shots, just have as as painful and awful as it is. It's also like you're living life. Um, it's like a heightened experience, you know, like you guys will never forget all these all these days, all these stories. Um, and so it's like everyone should make a move. Everyone should just make a movie on their own just to understand what it takes you know and it's or it's kind of like going to summer camp too i feel not i don't think i ever went to summer camp but you know what i mean where you're just like having these these great unique memories with people yeah yeah i can say summer camp i've been to a couple they're definitely way more boring but uh mm -hmm. yeah i do get like i definitely have had that same thought on set like this is so stressful but like i'm finally making a movie like that's like yeah. just so cool in and of this, itself this is really happening yeah so what were like the vibes on set <laughs> during <laughs> during during filming? I'm I'm kind of curious. Um, oh, they were they were, the vibes are good, especially you know by then, by by then we we were pretty settled with who um, the, the people that we worked with. You know, like everyone in it ha had been in other movies that we'd made. They knew what to expect. We knew what to expect. We knew they would show up at that point. You know, so the. Uh -huh. uh, in the in the movies prior to that, we we kind of we worked with some people who, who clearly weren't into it, you know, or or would make up some some excuse to get out of acting. It's you know, so so we had a good yeah good crew of people, um, and the way we did it like, in August, because at that point Charlie the director lived in L.A. so like he had to fly to New England, and um, he'd come like so he came for a weekend in August where we we did. A couple days worth of filming, and it it's um and then and then we did a week in September and a week in October, um, and it's the same thing. It's that feeling like, hey, we're we're doing something. This is actually happening. I mean, we we each that was our vacation time from from our real jobs. You know, like it wasn't it wasn't going to Cancun. It was going, you know, to to my house to to make a movie to work harder. <laughs> 
our vacation, we worked way harder than we did at our day jobs, you know? Um, but yeah, it was tons of fun. Just, you know, exhaustion, searching. We, we have, I mean, ser- like you said, searching for the dry erase marker. Where's the marker? Where's the mark? Oh, it's in my back pocket, you know? Um, all that stuff. But yeah, people were cool. And, you know, we, we had fun. Yeah, we had fun. It was, it was the best. I mean, like I said, we, we don't, we don't make money off these movies, but we keep doing it because it is, um, it, it's, it's a better way to live than, than not doing it. Yeah. So, so you said the, the actors, they had been on like multiple films of yours. Yeah. Um, do you, do you think, like, I'm kind of curious as to what you think their expectations were the first time they were filming with you. Like, do you think they were expecting, like, I don't know, this, like, grand, amazing film, or, or there's, like, yeah, this is, this is just a, you know, hobbyist film? Yeah, I think they knew, I think they knew what they were getting into, more or less, you know? Yeah. Um, they, they, it's people that I've known anyway, so they kind of know my sense of humor, and, and, I, I think, um, I think, yeah, they definitely didn't weren't thinking this is my big Hollywood moment. They, it was yeah. more just, <laughs> yeah, this is a fun thing. But you know, um, it is cool. You know, we get people on IMDb. Some people think that's pretty cool. I mean, the fact that it's on Amazon Prime is like major bragging rights for some people. You know, people have told me that, you know, they they mention it at work and their coworkers are like, "What? You're in a movie on Amazon Prime?" <laughs> you know. <laughs> Um, someone, some, some guys wrote a book about our movies, you know, so. Wait, really? Um, yeah, the making yeah. of, right? It's called, it's called Moturn on Moturn. It's, oh, it's, never mind, uh, never mind. it's a nice long book. I read it every day. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the moral of the story is it's like, um, it's a long process, you know, uh, versus, versus going through the studio system, you know, not that I'd. Not that the studio, any studio, would ever give me money to make a movie, but um, our our general approach is: if we make them independently, we can make exactly what we want to make. We don't have to answer to anybody but ourselves. Our only limitations are the ones we put on ourselves. We're not gonna make money off it uh, in the short term, but but who knows? If we just keep on cranking these things out maybe people will start to notice and um you know 20 years down the road people are just barely starting to notice and that's okay you know life is long so we're gonna keep doing it well and a lot of times it's exponential i feel i feel like once a little people a few people discover it can go up a lot because like i yeah. mean yeah with like your music and everything i heard about it from my friends and then with truman discovering your movies just like two completely unrelated events and then they connect with each other in my brain and then suddenly I find myself talking about your media to a lot of other people and a lot of other people are discovering it. It's like an exponential thing. So even a little discovery right now could mean a lot in the future. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Now with TikTok and everything, that's <laughs> it's kind of soaring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the mu- like music is my day job and, um, it, you know, I'm not, uh, I don't live in a mansion, um, but... I'm 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 pretty darn happy that um I can you know I'm my own boss and I can tell myself you're making a movie this weekend and that you know that's technically my job so that's pretty cool. Yeah, was the TikTok thing surprising for you or or like the TikTok thing you say? Yeah, like it. What were you like? 
it, it was the fact that you were just like rising from TikTok. Was that like, what is TikTok? Like, <laughs> right? Yeah. No, I mean, uh, I was I was super pumped. You know, it had a couple. It's it had a couple of um of like um, peaks. Like over the summer, it was big. Even so, I guess it was like May June 2020. Tons of videos were happening. People were. I was getting tons of names uh, to add to my list, and mm-hmm. it was exciting and cool. But then, even more so, this winter, like it was way more videos were happening and way more people were contacting me and um and 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 it wasn't like people found it on tiktok but then they listened to it uh, on amazon or 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 uh, youtube or spotify and so uh it was great i loved it i'd wake up for for a couple of weeks i'd wake up every morning and have like a dozen texts from people being like can you do the let me look at the the Twix poop song. Can you do the <laughs> the Debbie poops, poop poop song? <laughs> D I Eldon Gil Venti Monia Lucretia Jiggy. <laughs> and of course, so at the good. very bottom of the list, Pahu. Oh. <laughs> Are you excited for your I'm Pahul Poop excited. song? I'm ex- extremely excited, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no one's ever, ever written a song about me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Matt, um, we were doing a little bit of research on you, and we found out that you're, like, married and you have kids. Like, how do you, like, balance that life with the movies and the music and everything? Yeah. First off, it's shocking. They're like, that guy's married? <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't get it. Um... Uh, so yeah, I mean, my wife works four days a week at her job, and on those four days, uh, I'm I'm with the kids. They're ages four and seven. We're homeschoolers, and so uh, we're doing homeschool, and and otherwise we're just having having a grand old time. I like I, I mentioned, I worked at the group home for teens, and uh, you know that was good practice for uh, having kids of my own and just knowing uh, fun things to do with them, but. So yeah, and when I am working, it's it's here at the house, and so you know I can rattle off a bunch of poop songs and then come out of this room and 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 hang out with everybody for a little bit, apologize to them for having to hear me sing, um, and then go back to do it. But um, yeah, no, I I'm def I think I'm doing a pretty good job with the balance, but it's I mean that's one thing. Um, have you seen the movie American Movie? I have not. I have not either. Okay, it's about some guys in Wisconsin following their dream to make a, a movie. And um, at times, it seems like the main guy is definitely ignoring his fatherly duties in order to make his movie. And it, it seems a little delusional at, at that point. Like, it's like, come on. Like, your stupid movie is not more important than, than like, real obligations. And so I, um, I definitely don't. As delusional as I am, I, I, I do I am able to uh, check myself and to uh, and to make sure that it's not it's not uh, hurting uh, you know real life. Um, uh, yeah, that's the answer to the question. <laughs> that's really that's really honorable and kind of funny that you'd have to check yourself to be like, are my poop songs getting in the way of my family? <laughs> <laughs> I mean. You're- if they weren't making money, then it would be much, much worse. You know, and, and I, I, 
I would have to just stop, you know. But um, <laughs> luckily, um, it worked out. I mean, 17 years, I I was working a day job, and you know that's a 40 hour a week thing. I was working, and and during that time, while having a full time job, I recorded 18,000 songs. So I mean, that was uh, that's that's crazy. Imagine if I had like a full week, to, <laughs> if I had all seven days of a week to work on music i'd I'd have like fifty thousand at this point <laughs> do you ever find yourself getting like creative burnout with music ever are you ever like i just can't do another 50 songs this week i'm just like so burnt out uh not, not too bad no i mean maybe here and there um but <laughs> very i just um i mean i because it's it's just work. I call it factory songs sometimes. Like, <laughs> it's like literally going into the factory and just churning them out. Um, and, and you just have to do it. So when it comes to like more um, well-crafted, um, like the songs on the record, you know, you know I didn't mm-hmm. just churn the, that whole record out in, in a day. I, I spent about a month on it, you know, and there's, um, what, like 14 tracks on it or something like that. So... Um, and and by most standards, that's even fast. You know, you hear about a band spending like two years on an album, but um, I, 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 I won't take more than a month um, to do something like that. But to answer your question, it's like if, if I'm burned out from writing that album, then spend the next month just doing factory songs, which aren't really um, exhausting my, my creativity. It's, it's just uh, going through the motions. So you don't you don't view your factory songs as like creatively like uh, like um, tiring I guess. Right. Yeah. But uh, one thing that happens is um, I'll just I'll be pounding on the piano, coming up with chords for the next song, and then I'll be like, "Ooh, I like these chords," and yeah. then I'll I'll jot down what they are and I'll save them for. I call them the no jokes albums. You know, like <laughs> the record that you have. Is, is one of my no jokes albums and um, I have several others um, but I'll save I'll save the real good stuff like that for those albums and the process of writing all these silly poop songs is 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 helpful you know and um, mm-hmm. just you know it's like running a marathon you know um, what is it running a marathon you, you don't um, you got to build up. You know, you don't just run a marathon on day one. You you run a couple miles and then work your way up over the course of time. And now I'm at the point where I can do 40 name poop songs on a Sunday, you know? Yeah. Wait, are you, so are you saying that even if you don't like the chords, you'll just release it? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And, and but this is a good lesson. You never know. Like, I, I have several songs that I don't even like that other people think is is good you know so i'm not a good judge of my work it might not it might not speak to me but usually my favorite songs are not um the most popular songs yeah like i I hear you talking about like yeah people listen to my garbage but you know i have some good music too right (laughs) yeah but even even in the garbage you know like um the toilet bowl cleaners like i think poop into a wormhole is a masterpiece but people (laughs) prefer People prefer pooping my fingernails, you know. Yeah. Are you ever like disappointed by like not having your like uh, songs that have legitimate work into them? You're kind of disappointed by like you know these stuff that isn't 
necessarily yeah. you think worth everyone's time. If you, 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 there's like a very obvious, I don't know, more more popularity yeah. towards the ones that you don't want popularity. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I go on walks and I listen to my own music on the walks and I listen to the the quality, brilliant songwriting. And by the time I get home, I just start ranting to my poor wife. I'm like, these songs are so good and nobody pays any attention to them. And meanwhile, the Susie Poop song just has a thousand <laughs> 20 seconds to write it. No one pays attention to me. I'm the best songwriter since Bob Dylan and nobody recognizes it. And they just want me to write more poop songs. <laughs> well, Matt, you know, this is a great album, and I'll love it when I listen to it because I don't—I actually don't have a um, uh, uh, my record player. Robert does, so I will listen to it when I go to his house next time. I'm sure it'll be great. Oh, you get ready. It's much better than pooping my fingernails. <laughs> I'm sure it is. I'm also curious. Have you ever like found your your kids snooping around like your work? Uh, you know, I mean, they know it, they know it's what's going on. Their ages are four and seven, but yeah. I mean, their whole lives, just the sound of their dad's voice has has been coming through the walls, um, and so they they're really good at, at drowning it out. Um, and yeah, I mean, they're they're both creative. One of them uh, likes to write uh, books, and the other one likes to paint and and comes up with. One of the four-year-olds come up with a few phrases that I ended up uh, writing songs about, so uh, so it's cool. But but I think um, it's just it's just the 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 usual noise in the house is is what you know the sound of me singing, Susie poop, Susie Susie poop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you do you think you'll ever like? Um involve your kids in your uh, songwriting at all like maybe some vocals from them yeah uh, maybe but not for a long while and i don't um i i i, I don't think it's I, I don't like um uh entertainment people who exploit their kids um i i feel like it's uh it's not good for the kids and it's just like a cheap way and here i am to see it's a cheap way to to increase your profile coming from the guy who sings the Susie Poop song. I'm, I'm, I'm obviously not above uh, cheap <laughs> promotional tactics, but uh, but I draw the line there. I see, I see. All right, well, Matt, it has been fantastic to have you on the podcast. Usually, our podcasts, uh, we have our friends on them, and we will be like, yeah, let's talk about these movies. And then we'll spend 30 minutes not talking about them. And then we'll say we'll talk about them. And then as we're talking about them, we end up just saying really rudimentary things like, it was good, it was bad. <laughs> and then give it really stupid grading systems. And then we'll talk about, like, albums. And, yeah, it just usually goes off the rails. So this is the first episode I think we've ever had that was on track 100% of the time. All right, well, let me let me bring it even more on track real quick before you uh, I let you go Fred the movie is a gosh darn brilliant work of art okay and I know um, a lot of a lot of people just think oh it's this kid talking in a high-pitched voice and it's annoying and whatever but I, I don't know if you watch this movie it is so it's subversive and brilliant and, and just perfect in every way uh, Fred's mom is a hilarious character 
um, Fred's um, dream dad, uh, John Cena, is, uh, I mean, it, it's it's devastating in, in one way that poor Fred, you know, has to dream up this wrestling dad, and but also hilarious, too. It, and it's very dark. Like, I mean, it, it's dark for this made-for-Nickelodeon movie. Uh, J- Jeanette McCurdy, amazing performance. The kid across the street, I think his name is Kevin. Just Kevin, the yes, looks that yes. this kid... The looks that he gives back at Fred, and and like when he's jealous of the, he's like Fred's having a party, like oh oh, like oh, it is, guys. I'm just telling you, it is a, a brilliant work of art. The only people who watched it were like uh, people who were like 10 in in whenever it came out, like 2012, and um, I happened to watch because I worked at the group home for kids. You know, and most of the kids were like, oh, Fred's stupid. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh, no, God, kids, this is a brilliant work of art, kids. Uh, Hold on, Matt. I want to argue with this about you. (laughs) That's fine. It is. When's the last time you saw it? Oh, my goodness. Um, It's been a while. No, no, we watched it in uh, summer 2020. I remember because after I sat down with my friends and we were jokingly saying that we were going to come up with, like, a deep theory about it. (laughs) And then I got onto this theory that I'm actually, like, almost convinced is, like, the truth. Do do you want to hear it? Okay. Yeah. So you know how in the title (laughs) of the poster of the movie, there's Fred, right? And the R letter is reversed. I, like, that was, like, messing with me, and I was trying to, like, think about it. Like, maybe there's something going on there. I think that this movie, I don't think that this movie takes place within someone's subconscious, and I think it's actually Durf. Because you remember how there's the reverse Fred character that comes on the bus, it's there, Durf? I think that Durf is the actual Fred, and he's, like, in his 30s, and he's, like, completely chilled out with life, but there's this innate kid version of himself that's running around in his brain causing travesty and i think that the movie actually is about a very mentally ill person with two <laughs> conflicting personalities this sucks and i think that Durf <laughs> is who the actual fred is i, I mean that I, I buy that that's absolutely <laughs> and, and, I'm, and it, it, it and just like i said though there is this weird darkness you know mm-hmm. if if it's if it's all in the head of Durf or if it's just dark for dark sake like it just it feels like the people making it were were just like let's let's just see how much we can slip into this movie this made for nickelodeon movie with this annoying youtube character let's just see how much subversive weirdness we can sneak into into this thing and it it is you know and just the fact that he he just wants to sing you know with this girl it it's so it's just so weird and and wonderful Oh, and poor Fred when he throws up at the party. Um, <laughs> poor Fred. But, um, I'm telling you, watch it. Watch it ten or twelve more times, and uh, <laughs> each time you watch it, you're gonna be like, "Oh man, wait!" Like it. I just felt. I, I feel like I'm in good hands. You know, when I'm sitting there watching it, like the people making this movie absolutely knew what they were doing. Is the feeling that I got. Um, I speaking of them trying to put things into this movie, I remember trying to buy it from Best Buy when I was like eleven or twelve or something, um, and they said, "Oh, sir, this movie is actually R-rated. I don't know if we can give this to you." And I was like, "I'm sorry." Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? I don't know. <laughs> anyways, you tried yeah. to buy the Fred movie, and they said it was rated R. Yes. Uh, anyways, uh, but oh, um, Matt, have you seen the other Fred movies by chance? No. 
You're a fake. You're a fake fan. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm 42 years. Uh, 40 yeah, 42 years old. I can't watch. I can only watch one Fred movie. I can't imagine uh, the sequels are are up to that same level. Are they? They're not. They're no. not really. And also, like, uh, I know Fred. I've seen some like clips of things saying, "Yeah, I just did the Fred movie for like money." Like, like he just like straight up said that. Which I mean, that doesn't really take necessarily take away from the magic because I doubt he had any influence. He doesn't know. He doesn't even know how brilliant it is. Seriously, like I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't know the history of the situation, but it just feels like someone, some kind of work for hire writer, director people were like, all right, you're doing Fred the movie. And they just said to themselves, they're like, let's, uh, let's just see, like I said, let's see what we can do here. Let's, let's not just go by the books. Let's let like, I mean, Fred's mom is this, this like party lady who just pays no attention to him at all. And Fred is just so desperate for, for any kind of uh, affection and, and understanding, and it's heartbreaking, and it, it's subversively hilarious. Um, um, oh, I could, uh, I just love it. It, it is really funny. Yeah, I, I like the uh, controversial race joke in, in the movie as well. <laughs> uh, what is that one? I don't even remember. Um, he d- he digs oh, a hole. To... <laughs> oh, to China. <laughs> <laughs> Right? Is yeah. that right? He thinks he yeah. dug a hole to China, right? Yeah. yeah. Actually, um, that, that plays into my theory. My theory is that the father that he imagines, it's the... Yeah. Okay, so essentially, with this whole thing, um, Durf, the actual thread, was a kid of, like, the um, 70s and 80s, right? And it's, like, a much older version of him. And essentially, what happened when Fred was really, really young is that his father died while at war and i'm imagining it's like the korean war or something like that so fred inherently has this racist view of asian people because his father died in a war with the u.s versus and that's also why he's very nationalistic and that's also this plays into the whole like fred versus derf thing Durf, when that happened, was so traumatized that he emotionally stayed a little kid for a long time. But him emotionally staying as a little kid started growing up, and at that point in the movie was a teenager. Yeah, I mean, um, at Emerson, when it's time, when you do it, <laughs> you gotta write this 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 paper. You think so? I, I I honestly think I could write a whole paper about it. I've thought about it a lot. Oh, that's cool. Good to. I just feel like. Uh, it, it it's easy to poo-poo that movie as, as just you know standard made for Nickelodeon fare, and I am definitely no expert on on any other Nickelodeon programming, but uh, I doubt that others um, are as ambitious as that movie uh, seemed to me to be. So let's hear it for Fred. Yes. Well, what, what, uh, we, we, whenever we review movies, well, you do like a rating scale and we all have different rating scales. Like mine is like cell phone networks. So I would give this movie like a Verizon personally. And then, uh, probably haven't seen it. I haven't seen this movie. His usual rating system is like zero or one. No, it's like countries. Oh, it's countries now. He'll like say different countries. So on any rating scale you want, what would you give Fred? Um, ice cream. <laughs> yeah, totally fits. Speaking of ice cream, we're actually going to Baskin Robbins after this. Do you guys have Baskin Robbins? Oh. Yeah, uh, not it's not prevalent, but um, uh, there's a there, there's a few. 
Dunkin' Donuts slash Baskin Robbins. There's a few of those where they uh, they share the the storefront. But I, I'm a big I'm a big fan of ice cream. So yeah, enjoy it. And this has been a great conversation. Um, thank you so much. Yeah, mm-hmm. thank you. Um, just Matt, right before we go, um, you know how podcasts usually have like some sort of like thing that they always do at the end. That's like a, oh, the podcast ends. We don't have one of those. We usually make it up every time. And every time we have a guest, we put it on the guest to come up with like a perfect way to close the podcast. So this is on you. How would you like to end it? Oh, yeah.